0: This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it, starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, drag outs, pressure, and agony as teams go head to head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Find the entertainment you love with Contour TV and Contour Stream Player. Learn more at coxcox.com
1: contour.
2: Good
0: morning, Unmatch the Hatch Nation.
2: What's up, guys? Welcome to Unmatch the Hatch Podcast, where we have discussions on fly fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors with our hosts Landon, Zach, Ian, and Cliff. You can find our website at honeyholeangling.com. Our email is honeyholeangling at gmail.com, and our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Instagram can be found at Honey Hole Angling. Please leave us a review if you enjoy our podcast, and we have two five-star written reviews. Oh, yeah. Out of ten needed for the competition. So
0: we really either need to just record that, huh, as my mic. Yeah, okay. there you go.
2: That's a little better. We either need to
0: just go ahead and record that or something so we're not reading it off every I, week.
2: I don't mind reading it. I think we're on episode eight. Yeah, we're on eight, eight now. <laughs> oh, we have a shout out for Zach because it's his birthday. Yep. What? Happy birthday, happy Zach. Happy birthday, Zach. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, happy birthday, buddy. Wanna... Got a year older. Thanks, hey, guys. the Honey Hole Angling team. We pitched in, and we bought you a Christmas gift. Oh, my gosh. This is Merry Christmas.
3: <laughs> I know. Oh, I man. got the bag special. This is great, guys. And we had some fancy cake earlier. What? I did not have cake, Mom. No way, guys. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah.
2: Happy
1: birthday, buddy. you hey, oh, guys. I haven't
2: seen that one yet. Yeah, Thank you, it's guys. It's brand new. So, uh, for is, you listeners out there. Zach is the first owner in San Antonio of no the way. new Orvis Pro. LT vest, oh, thirty percent lighter than the original vest. This is <laughs> sick, guys! Oh man, I this like is that awesome. One. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Let me, see. dude.
3: <laughs> Cliff <God>. Clif- is <laughs> Clif- Clif- jealous of this. <laughs> like, Zach's it, trying man. it on. Oh yeah, dude, this is great.
1: Thank you, guys. You're welcome, dude. Happy, yeah. birthday. Happy birthday. Um, birthday! Do you do you want to say what it is one more time? Because I think. I don't know if the listeners heard, but
0: yeah, it's a so it's a snazzy, it's the snazzy new Orvis Pro LT uh, bird vest. It has comes complete with its uh, back backpack strap style
2: uh, harness.
3: Yeah, there's like plenty of hip, vents
0: on it with hip belt. Come over here, let me let me see this. Yeah,
2: oh man, Cliff is like Cliff can't control his excitement. He's like, man, it's. No, you can keep it on. Okay. Keep it on. Cliff's like model it for me. <laughs> yeah. Model it. Show me. Do a little. Do a Give little a little turn. A little <laughs> it
0: has, ooh, I really like that. The shot. The shell pouches actually have a zipper on them too, so you can oh. put stuff down in it. That's very nice. So you can put your ear pro down in there.
2: Yeah, that's a great Texas vest too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it feels super lightweight. Yeah.
0: Can this adjust it forward and back?
2: We got word on the street that Zach had a Academy bird vest. Yeah, I got, we're pretty, like, I got a
3: cheapo one. we like, like
2: ten bucks for it. We can't let Zach on the podcast Ooh. if no. he's Ooh, got the
0: to upgrade bird his pouch gear. is really nice and roomy.
2: I'd say it would hold about eight
0: pheasants. Eight, <laughs> eight thousand.
1: <laughs> that, that thing right
0: there will hold eight. <laughs> <laughs> seven, has a little, ooh, it Even has a zipper right here, so you got you can put your little lunches right there. Oh
3: man, I guess. Oh, and a zipper in
4: here. Yeah. Too?
0: And it's got
3: water bottle pockets. Ooh, you what? can even ha, even oh, has a space does. for your keys. Oh man. More storage in your keys. well, than
0: the wheel well of thought your truck. Out.
3: It is a lighter
2: version of the very popular and always sold out Orvis Pro vest. Yeah, guys, this thing is sick.
3: Thank you guys. I really and appreciate it. We this. only
2: got one at Orvis, and you now own it.
3: This is oh, I awesome. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, that was the only <laughs> one we got. Thank so you guys. we'll probably Zach. get another one in. But anyway, Zach, happy birthday, happy,
1: Zach. Happy birthday, buddy. And today is
2: actually his birthday. Yeah. When you guys listen to it, it'll be like a week later, but.
1: Yes, so don't send him a
2: happy birthday message. No, you can send him a happy birthday message. No,
0: then you're just trying to jump on the bandwagon. You're not really
3: his friend. (laughs) Just just stop. Save yourself the embarrassment. Mm. You guys can send a happy birthday The
2: coolest thing about that gift was the bag. It says Merry Christmas.
3: It was. It threw me off a little bit. I was like, wait, I thought it was my birthday. Yeah. So we were going to do something,
0: but we ran out of time. Should we tell him?
2: Yeah, we were going to, like, switch the board out song, the intro song, to Happy Birthday.
0: No, not the intro song, but your song. Oh, yeah, the Creature creature Watch. Instead of Creature Watch. (laughs) So when you hit it, you're like, this is weird. (laughs) That would have been cool.
2: (laughs) But I didn't have time to actually, like, search for the song, and that was, like, legally
3: allowed to play. Yeah, Happy Birthday is a... Nope, it's not... Someone owns the rights to it. Yeah, that's why. uh, That's why. Like when you go to restaurants, they usually don't sing "Happy Birthday" to you. They have their own version. I thought they were just trying to be cheeky. Nope, because it's copyrighted.
0: Interesting.
3: Man, I'd love to own the copyright to that song. I know they probably don't make any money on it though. It's like Mm. the smiley face. Yeah.
0: I kind of swore "Happy Birthday." There's no way. Nope. It's owned
3: by a couple of sisters interesting yeah they're rolling in the dough probably because it's like the it, <laughs> every 3 year birthday I don't, party
0: ever goes with three cents <laughs> i don't know about
3: you Ian, but in mass com like that was an example when they were teaching copyright law was the happy birthday song
1: yeah zach and i majored both majored in mass communication um yeah no exactly it was wasn't it owned by disney for a long time
3: it might have been hmm. so how's yeah, that career working for you guys I'm not Dude, I'm in. Mean, I was using it until last Monday. So. Dude, okay. Wait,
1: wait, hold up. Didn't you major in like history or something? Yeah. Like yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. I did. I did. I think Cliff is the only one who went to business school, which is why the rest of us are fishermen, <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Uh, what,
0: wait, what are you saying that I'm not a fisherman? That's no, how I took no. that. You said Cliff whoa. went to business school and the rest of us are just fishermen.
2: <laughs> well, if we were to rank the group in fishing, I would be last. But that's Cliff, besides Cliff, the point.
1: We know you identify as a hunter more than a fisherman.
2: Yeah. We do know um, that. So,
1: I forgot. I was, tell oh, me how to we,
2: identify. It's
0: 2020. Well,
2: we're not going to say what we're doing, but me and Zach have new jobs. So, that's wow. like a big week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Two people have new jobs. Okay, so the questions for the week. The first question is: Do you poo outdoors?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, I've done it once. Um, wait, hold on. Uh, I think we should defer this to Mr. Cliff Coward.
0: Am I the
3: resident outdoor pooper? How many times have you pooped outdoors?
2: I cannot count. I've dude. I've pooped I outside can't a count. lot too. Because really? I used to do guided backpacking trips. Yeah, I would That's say true. overall it would have to be between uh, Landon and uh, I. I do have to give some, like, I have two funny outdoor pooping stories. So oh, I have a few. The Okay, so the first one, and these are both when I was doing guided backpacking trips. So the first one was um, we would use, we used to for, like, we would take, like, high school kids, maybe middle school kids on backpacking trips And what high school kid or middle school kid gets excited about pooping outside? None. And so they, like, try their hardest not to. And sometimes these trips are a week, and they don't really – like, some kids try to hold it for a week. So we try things to, like, get them excited about – I don't... Probably not, probably not successfully. No, 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 no. Usually by, like... Day well, three or four. let me get to... Let me say my first story, and then I'll tell you my second story. I'll tell you how we get kids to poop outside. So the first thing is, we try to get them outside by, like, ranking their outside pooping experience. So if anyone goes poop, they get to come back, and they have to give it a star rating. So... Um, that was
0: a five star. Uh, yeah, brother. yeah. So there's, there
2: there were five things you could get a star for. <laughs> oh my for. god! There were five things you could get a star for. So the first star would be if you found a good like seat or like a comfortable position to poop in. A two star would be uh, another star would earn you if you found like good wiping material that wasn't like poisonous, like soft. You know, you could clean yourself up good. The third star was. Uh, if you saw an animal while you were pooping, you, you could get a contact, <laughs> you right. could get a third star, and the fourth star was specifically a bald eagle. If you saw a bald eagle flying, no, that makes it a five star poo. So I think it was actually a four star. Like, so if you could get all those things, you got a four star. So like, all the kids would be like, I got a two star, I got a three. You know, they'd be really excited about it. Then you still have the holdouts that so like get to day two or three, they're like I don't want to poop. You know, they're like I am holding it, but you can really tell they're straining. So we had They're doing that stiff leg, yeah. yeah, yeah. Stiff leg. So. Like, you're,
0: you're walking down the trail and you just see the kid go. <laughs> 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 that's
4: exactly the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <Just suck it. laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so if any kids were doing what Cliff just did, we would give them these like mini cinnamon gummy bears that acted like a laxative. Oh and within God. 30 minutes, like, hey, it would be like, hey, you guys want gummy bears? So like, you know. No, and, Cliff, you pooped already. And within 30 minutes, they're like, can I get the shovel? Can I get the shovel? Because there would be a poo shovel. So, you know, and they go out there and dig their hole and, you know, do their thing. <laughs> so we would, like, so throw y'all the were, gummy bears. Y'all
0: were ranking it on, it, like, the experience of taking the poo outside. Correct. Y'all weren't ranking the poo. Correct. Uh, right. See, I would have done a four-star system for the poo itself. <laughs> like, so, so
1: <laughs> in a episode is so rapid. <laughs> Like, Oh my! God. So you get
2: a star for the aroma.
1: Right. Well, Landon
2: kicked us <laughs> off straight out of the
3: gate with a freaking poo
2: question. One. So one other story is, so we would like camp at a different site every night, and you know we had a poo shovel. So anybody when they needed to go, they could take the poo shovel, go do their thing, and then bring it back. Well, we had someone accidentally dig up someone else's poo. So they literally
3: picked the same spot the that someone. So yeah. they must have just went out there and was like, "Oh, this soft, this ground looks soft. I'm gonna dig right here." No, it, it may have been more of the spot.
2: Like, oh, this like there's a good tree here, uh, like a good place serious. to squat, and maybe, maybe a that, to me dots. that seems like it'd be pretty rare. But
1: <laughs> okay. what is, what is the next question? I feel like this is solid
2: podcasting material (laughs) oh man that was a good question whoever sent that Um, next question are hot dogs tacos or sandwiches I just want to say though
0: Ian hates or Ian's been around me enough to know that every time I go hunting outside like early morning hunting I'm going to take a dump.
1: okay Mm. let me give you the rundown on how this goes usually I'll stay at Cliff's house. We'll pack up all the gear. We'll go hunting. We'll stop for coffee. We'll stop for tacos. Cliff will put in a dip. And then we're about to shoot birds. And I'll be like, I have to go take picture. <laughs> <laughs> like consistently without. Killing. Do you practice? Usually... Le-
2: Do you practice leave? No trace principles.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. he's responsible about it. Okay. But typically it's about like 745 AM. Like, Boom, it just hits him like, I gotta, I'll That's be right. Term. Do you
2: take your gun with you and shoot at birds while you're... No,
1: no, no. no. He's un-epical. super safe Oh, man. okay,
2: okay. No, no,
1: he's super safe. He'll, like, you know, he'll, you know, clear the gun, put it down, and then be like, I'll be back in 10 minutes. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's fine, but it just happens without sales. Like I'm also equal
0: opportunity pooper.
1: So what does like, that mean?
0: Even on nice ranches, I'll still go, and in the
1: backwoods, yeah. everywhere you go. Cliff doesn't everywhere. mind if we're on public land or if we're on a five star gold ranch. He'll do it both places, and I've seen him do it. I mean, I have not personally watched. Okay, this is so <laughs> bad. <laughs> okay, this is you know, so okay, he came okay. From behind the okay. tree, let like, me let, let me no, do it let
2: me go back You're, to the next question. Okay, enough about pooping. So, Josh asks: Are hot dogs, tacos, or sandwiches?
3: They're sandwich. Yeah, they're sandwich. Sandwich. It's not it's taco, sandwich. taco. is a very specific thing. That's not a. Yeah, that's not a. That's yeah. not a. There's no debate. It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. Oh,
2: you think so? No, I know so. There's no debate. Next question. This one's for Cliff. Steven asks, "What do power, what do power bait, power eggs taste like?" Mm. and i asked that to you because you're the kid from georgia so i figured you'd eaten a power power bait egg before Hague, do i know this <coughs> <one? laughs> a power bait egg like like well, georgia caviar
0: so i've never had, I've never <laughs> had the power bait <laughs> eggs but the salmon I, I used to get the salmon eggs from like a bass pro shop uh-huh and i would always get the uh the garlic flavored ones mm-hmm so it tastes like just an extreme pungent, rubbery garlic piece. Mm, that's okay. about it. You
2: put it on toast or like a cracker, anything? No, you just, you just take, it, take it, it out. Yeah, yeah. pop it a in your mouth.
0: Yeah, put by it the spoonful. Put it in your lip like a like sunflower <laughs> seeds. You just suck the juices off and spit them off <laughs> down the river. And see, the glory thing about it
2: is, then you're just chumming the water. Then you're. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Next question is weirdest fish caught and I'll go first. It's not a weird fish, but I caught it and I had no idea what it was. Like right after I moved to Austin, I went fishing on the Perdinalis and I caught a freshwater drum, but mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was. Like I was awestruck. Like I went down the list of fish species I knew and I was like, this is, dude, of I was
1: with you when that happened. You were.
2: Yeah. Ian was with me. That's right, dude. And we were we were there both there like, like,
1: "The hell?" We were this? like,
2: "What did I catch out of this river?" And then I went like, you know, I asked someone that would definitely know, and they're like, "Oh, that's oh, like a Gaspar goo or a freshwater drum." But I just remember being like catching a fish and having no idea what it was.
0: See, I had that same question once when I wet waited the San Antonio River. Like, what am I catching right
3: now?
2: The yeah. pecosum. <laughs> 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 what am I
4: catching?
2: Mm. Um. But I don't know if I've caught, like, any weird fish. I know that time I was surprised. One time I caught a smallmouth buffalo, and I thought it was a carp. Yeah. And all my carp friends, like, really gave it to me because I didn't know the
3: difference between a smallmouth buffalo and a common carp. I think I've caught a, just a largemouth bass, but he had, like, his spine, Oh, part I of it s- was, like, divot or like it was like he had like something bit him at some point like in his back third on his spine but then it healed but so he just ended up with like this huge like divot bite mark along his back mm-hmm. it was pretty crazy and I will say creek chubs or I guess they're called horny head chubs in like the smoky mountains and stuff mm-hmm. they're just gross because like they don't have any slime on their body and it's just like skin mmm Like when you when you take the hook out of their mouth, it's just like grabbing skin. It's disgusting. You also caught a finless trout once. Oh yeah, but a lot of those trout on the quad for whatever reason. I think in the transportation or maybe just because they're all hatchery fish. Mm -hmm. Like somehow they just lose their limbs. They do because
0: most of the tanks are like concrete, and they'll rub up against them. Mm -hmm. They pack it so full and stuff, and then they just don't have room, and they'll. Rub up yeah.
3: the That makes sense. It, so, for yeah. Because sure. I, I see them every now and then, they'll, they'll be missing a fin or something. Yeah.
0: Uh, my weirdest one, it's not really a weird fish, but um, I'd still say cichlid.
3: Yeah. Like a Rio Grande? Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: They're, all the bumps and stuff on them was all, it's with just you. weird. Yeah. Yours
2: was like, had Extra like. Bumpy. It was like infected.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah they had that, like, the on the side
2: they of got them. Like they have a disease. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ian, what about you? Dude, I caught a catfish, a blue channel cat, in Barton Creek, on the part of Barton Creek, on the fly. And it's not like that it was the weirdest fish, but it was like the weirdest, like, tug. You know? Like, Mm -hmm. I caught this, and I was, like, convinced that I was stuck on a rock. And then it kept going all the way down. And really, it was just, just hugged the mm-hmm. Yeah. They just hugged the bottom and I'm like, what the heck? And I'm in it. I, it wasn't a foul hook. Like it sucked up a woolly bugger. Mm-hmm. That was weird. Besides that. Um, I've caught a, I've caught like a ton of turtles, dude. Like,
2: have you really? <laughs> yeah. I've caught I see, I yeah, I've like never hugged a five Cynthia, Like more than five she,
1: times. Yeah. She got Go a turtle.
2: Really? Is that when you called me about what yeah. turtles were legal to keep? Yeah. You are going to make like turtle soup. Yeah.
3: Yeah. What turtles are we going to keep? I,
0: just.
2: There's a list. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just let's people. just, let's just leave it at that. Cause <laughs> yeah. And
0: I'm still, even after it's still not a hundred percent sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, I just, it was all catch and release, but even like. Sea turtles. Yeah.
0: You can keep sea turtles. Don't keep sea turtles. No. <laughs> that's,
1: <laughs> that's that's of information we should put out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, at the same point, like, here, here's the thing. What you keep, you really need to be careful about because you don't want to poach or herd a species. Yeah. But what you catch isn't always up to you. Like, I've caught a sea turtle on the fly, and I let it go, and I was like, what the heck was this, like a baby one? Like, we were fishing the jetties, man, and
4: yeah. we hooked
1: a turtle, and, like, we thought, you know, I had no idea what it was, but we let it go. I mean, it, you know, when you're reeling it in, Hold on. Yeah, the jetties are a gamble, right? You could mm. catch a tarpon. You could catch, a, you know, whatever. Same Sorry, thing I'm with talking the surf. You
2: know, you never know what you're going to catch. Yeah, you are just kind of blindly
1: casting out bait. You have a good idea yeah. of, like,
2: I have a high likelihood of catching this. Right. But you could end up hooking a shark. Yeah. That's,
1: that's, that's what I'm saying is, yeah. like. Or wait, a stingray. Sometimes there's a huge difference between, like. You know, keeping something that you shouldn't, and blind casting into the surf or mm-hmm. off the jetties, and accidentally hooking like a turtle. Or oh yeah, something you can't like control what you, yeah. what you exactly. Hook do you have no idea.
2: Yeah, yeah. I caught up. I've caught some Placostomus.
3: Yeah, those are weird. Yeah,
1: have you really?
2: Fish. Yeah, Aren't, those are weird. And they're invasive, right? Yeah, Ooh.
3: the San Antonio River or the Riverwalk is full of them.
2: Yeah, ladyfish is another weird one that I've caught. Ladyfish are weird. Yeah, yeah they.
3: They're super fun, though.
2: Yeah, they are. People kind of poo poo on ladyfish.
3: No, they're, man, like, the, when I was at the coast last time, I hooked into that one. That was, like, the strongest fight I think I've ever felt with a lady. Peel line yeah, and it's then they crazy. Jump they and jump. jump and.
0: Yeah, they call the them Shane. tarpon. Yeah. mans
2: tarpon. Yeah. Man's tarpon. yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so, before we move into our segments, I have one. Hey, Ian, you know that article you wrote? Um, let me pull it up. The grounded one, the short yeah. one. Yeah. You know, I thought that was really good. Uh, Cliff and Zach, have you all read that one? No, not yet. Me neither. I'm actually, it's really short, so I'm going to read it on air. Uh, if you guys want to take a look at it, it's uh, it's on our website under blog. It's our most recent post, you guys. But it's just kind of like, um, I think like, I, I really appreciated it. It was kind of like with everything going on crazy, I think it's a good read. And so to save all the listeners the time, I'm just going to go ahead and read it on air. Are you cool with that, Ian? Of course, man. Okay. All right. So this one's called Grounded. Interesting times are the only words I found to describe the raging tire fire that is 2020. The election is only throwing gasoline on it. Along with COVID, Africa had a locust plague. China was mailing weird seeds to people, and the economy is facing years of recovery. It's easy to feel afraid, worried, nervous, apathetic, or just pissed off at all the change. However, during these times, it's important to focus on what doesn't change. The feeling of a fish taking a fly, connecting with the wild dove mid-flight, watching your bird dog sprint to retrieve it like they're fleeing California for Texas, watching the orange sky sunset from the tailgate of your pickup with good friends after a long day field, the quiet stillness of the drive home on an old country road that makes every worry feel far, far away. Focus on those things. Be safe. Be smart. We'll see you all out there soon. Dude, Ian, that's great. Yeah. I get chills. I get chills reading it. Yeah, that was awesome. Super inspirational. So if you guys want to find more uh, awesome articles written by Ian and also Cliff is contributing to to some of our articles, you guys can go check out our blog. Me and Zach haven't contributed because our contribution currently is the YouTube channel. So you guys can check that out as well. And also
3: learning new trades.
2: (laughs) Yes, and also (laughs) learning new trades. So...
1: <laughs> well, you guys make videos, man, and that's like, you know, that's awesome. I yeah, but I, don't I can't write, I even know so. how to. Yeah, I don't Ian, think I even know how to make. Now,
0: it's, now it's your my time to make videos.
3: You gonna make some videos? Hunt, you gonna make hunt, some videos?
0: Hutton just started.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I mean, yeah. I think that's some stuff that we can definitely put on the channel. Yeah.
2: So, all right. Uh, with that being said, we will move into our regular segments. Zach's on the board, so he's going to pick who's up first.
3: Mm. Let's see. Oh, no! okay, I'm going to go do this again now.
2: That's pretty neat.
3: That's pretty neat. Neat things in nature. Ian,
2: what do you got for us this week?
1: So this has actually been floating on a bunch of... Uh, wait, did we just do that like on a gamble? I felt like I was supposed to go later.
2: No, uh, Zach's on the board, and we've decided that
1: Dealer's uh, choice.
2: Dealer's choice, basically. There will be no order. Um, hold on, let
1: me pull <laughs> it up. I wasn't, yeah. sorry, I wasn't, like, fully prepared to, like, go.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we could do this again. Let's yeah. see. Can we
1: skip me yeah. for one
4: second? Yeah. 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 Here apologies.
3: we go. Okay, what's it going to be now?
4: Myth. Wolves are
3: dangerous to humans. Fact. You have a better chance of being hit by a meteorite than eaten by a wolf. Except if you wake up naked in the
2: woods. I think the actual correct one. Let me let's see what this sound is because I think this is the one I picked to change for cliffs.
1: Like Gary, the no-trash cougar says, "Give a lobbage, throw out your garbage, spread the word." Don't
4: mm. be a turd. <laughs> there you go.
0: All right, so yeah, I'll I'll go. Um, let me get to where I can read this. <laughs>
4: Hmm. All right. Right. Oh, whoa That sounded like a
1: lawnmower Firing up it was like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Tip the tongues the teeth the lips <laughs> <laughs> This
3: is right. such a ratchet episode
1: I apologize to all We're so all so scattered
3: Oh man Ooh, it's, that's uh, great There's energy though it's yeah. something about we're electric
1: Yeah <laughs>
4: we're
1: electric
3: that's Things true. are changing a lot life's of it. moving
1: yeah.
2: Ian's about to get a dog There's lots of things happening. It's crazy. I think we're all just
0: exhausted. Yeah, probably. All right, so so I pulled from, uh, for today's, I pulled from the uh, United States Fish and Wildlife Department. Uh, An article Mm -hmm. entitled, Secretary Burnett announces historic expansion of hunting and fishing opportunities on public lands. So I see this headline, and I'm like, Ooh, what does that mean? Ooh, what's going on? <laughs> How, How are we in it? Uh, the subtitle is "New hunting and fishing opportunities across 2.3 million acres at 138 National Wildlife Refugees refuges and nine National Fish Hatcheries." This article came out August 18th, 2020. Sweet. So uh, it's actually a pretty long article. I'm going to say that. So I kind of cut it down into the the main highlights that I saw. Um, So if this piques your interest and you want to get into the nitty gritty details, head on over to the National Fish and Wildlife webpage, and I think it's under News, and then it should come up. All right. So continuing on Trump's uh, the Trump administration's unprecedented efforts to increase recreational access. on public lands, United States Secretary of the Interior, David L. Burnett, announced today, meaning August 18th, 2020, the Shiawassee National Wildlife Refuge, the historic opening and expansion of over 500 and, or 850 hunting and fishing opportunities across more than 2.3 million acres at 147 national wildlife refugees and national fish hatcheries. The rule is the single largest expansion of hunting and fishing opportunities by the United States uh, Fish and Wildlife Service uh, in history. The rule continues an effort from last year's rule towards revising refuge hunting and fishing regulations so that so they more clearly match the state regulations in which the refuge is located. Whenever refuge regulations depart from state regulations for safety or conservation capabilities reasons, the extra regulations are as consistent as possible across the refuge in the given state. Interior worked closely with the states during the uh, rule-making process. America's sportsmen and women... Generated nearly $1 billion in excise taxes last year, supporting critical state conservation programs. These funds were generated by excise tax collections on hunting and shooting, hunting, shooting, and fishing equipment and boat fuel that was uh, distributed to all 50 states and and U.S. territories by the service. To date, this service has distributed more than uh, $22.9 billion uh, in. Sorry, um, mine went blank. Uh, 20, $22.9 billion for state conservation and recreation projects. The recipient state uh, wildlife agencies have matched these funds with approximately $7.6 billion throughout the years, primarily through hunting and fishing license revenue. In addition to excise taxes collected from these activities, hunting, fishing, and other outdoor activities contributed more than 156 billion in economic activity in communities across the United States in 2016 according to the most recent National Survey of Fishing and Hunting and Fishing, Hunting and Wildlife Associated Recreation more than 1.1 million Americans 40% of the US population population aged 16 and older pursue wildlife related recreation, recreation including hunting and fishing There are 70 National Fish Hatcheries visited by more than 1 million people every year. Hatcheries offer opportunities for viewing the operations and learning about fish, as well as activities such as fishing, hunting, hiking, sightseeing, nature study, bird watching, and photography. The National Wildlife Refuge System is an unparalleled network uh, 568 national wildlife refuges and 38 wetlands management districts there is a national wildlife refuge within an hour's drive of most major metropolitan areas the wildlife re- s- the refuge system receives more than 59 million annual visits national wildlife refuge refuges uh, provide vital habitat for thousands of species and across uh Species and access to world class recreation from fishing, hunting, and paddling to nature watching, photography, and environmental education.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome.
3: Oh yeah. What?
2: You ripped (laughs) it up. What Cliff just ripped it up. What are your thoughts on that, Cliff? Well now I wish I didn't rip it up. Well no, you read
0: it. Didn't wish Um (laughs) He's trying to piece it together. (laughs) I ripped it up because that's me signifying that I'm done.
1: Dude, Cliff Uh, is all about power moves.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Power move. My segment's over. I read my article. Hey, Cliff,
3: (laughs) we have some follow-up questions. Oh, Uh, man. (laughs) Crap. (laughs) 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 Um,
0: So what I think about it, I I think it just puts in uh, kind of perspective, and I think it's kind of uh, a milestone to show, like, what as a country uh, we're kind of working towards and uh, why it's important to keep these national wildlife uh, refuge systems, WMAs, uh, Corps of Engineers properties and all this other stuff uh, in the hands of the public. Because I think that this kind of goes along with and puts numbers to why it's important that like the port Aransas thing mm-hmm. doesn't go through i mean that's just another i know that's not necessarily in the scopes of what this is showing but it said uh 40 of the u.s population age 16 and older pursue wildlife rel- re- related recreation and i mean that's across the entire united states which we have how many what's the population of the United States?
3: 360 now? million 360
0: 360
3: million roughly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what is 40% of that? Well, it's like 100 and what? 140 million? million. It says
1: the US is 300
3: Yeah, between
1: yeah, 330 million ish. Oh, okay. So you take we'll that. I don't know. They don't. They don't really know because a lot of people have kids. And well, that was also based everything.
3: off the last. Um,
0: yeah, which was, 10 which years was ago. 2006. Was it ten years ago? Said no,
1: it could be. It could be 360 right now. That's right. Like they don't. Yeah. Yeah. When they do the census, oh, the census oh, is every ten years. That's oh, when we get an a idea, saying. and then we
3: kind of estimate. Right. That.
1: Exactly.
0: So th- I mean, while we see populations of hunters and I'm speaking of hunters as a hunter, you see hunting license cells dwindling. Uh, It's a segment of the population that they claim is slowly dying, and I, I do think that that might be the case, but we also have other areas that are picking up, such as fishing, and it's all part of, like, the heritage of like just being a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we all come from hunters and gatherers. Mm-hmm. At some right. Point. Like,
3: <clears throat> not hunting is a relatively new idea. Right. Yeah.
0: In fact, you could claim that eating meat and hunting it, is what gave us the ability to grow the brains that we. Oh have. no, no. That's, but, I mean that's uh, a yeah.
3: scientific fact. Yeah. yeah. The, our brains grew because we were able to. First off, we were able to hunt meat, and then second, we were able to cook it with fire. Right. Both those things led to us actually being smart. I
1: I get that people, some people don't like hunting, but I'm like, your animals that live in your house, dogs and cats, hunt. Like, you know, they may be used to you feeding them, but if they go wild, they will hunt things. Yeah, my dog eats birds. Exactly. That's a fact. I'm not a cat guy, but people's cats like we'll well, kill in, anything. In Australia like,
0: they have a real bad problem with cats killing off native populations of like wild
2: birds. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I heard in yeah. the US that cats kill like close to Well,
3: feral cats right now are a huge problem because they're killing off uh, rod- like huge rodent populations yeah. and
2: Well, I I thought I heard somewhere that uh you know, house cats in the US kill like a billion <laughs> yeah. birds per yeah. year no. in the I, just, US. I
1: just pulled this up. Cats kill 2. 4 billion birds yeah. every year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's
3: crazy.
0: But, it, I mean, this article, it shows there's outdoor pursuits account for $156 billion in ec- economic activity. So, if you take away the land that or water, in the case of the Port Aransas, where this happens in Port Aransas, as we stated two podcasts ago, is a big place if you saltwater fish in texas you're going to port aransas at some point in that career like that's was tarpon capital usa Mm -hmm. for the longest time tarpon are finally coming back so what's the fishing industry going to look like there instead of everyone going to the keys will they now come to the coast of texas yeah they'll
3: split it i mean like half the you know and Texans th- will go to the coast here, which that's a huge yeah. amount of money going to the coast to fish for something we would have to travel outside the state for. Yeah.
2: right. And support our
0: own guides here. Right, but if we dredge it to 75 feet and mess, mess up that whole fishery, what do we just do to ourselves? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a bubbling economic institution happening
4: mm-hmm. right
0: in front of our eyes here. And... The people who are saying, uh, let's dredge this even deeper because they're not sportsmen or they're able to go fly off in their fancy jets to wherever wherever, and do it, they're going to kick it out from right at its knees. Yeah. It, it, it just don't make sense yeah. to me.
2: Well, I think that's a good point, um, Zach. Who you got next? Thank you,
3: Cliff. Creature. Creature Watch. You chose yourself next? I did choose myself next. Yeah. Let's see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I want to give Ian some time. We got, well, because yours is like a, a series, more typically more informational. They got mine's a little more lighthearted. And then Landon's a little more informational. And then Ian's a little more lighthearted. So it kind of balances it out yeah
2: we're doing our listeners a favor like this just isn't some run-of-the-mill podcast we think this through that's right yeah
4: buckle up buckle up we think this, this through. podcast is all over the, the place afternoon, Wednesday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are creating a feel with our podcast yeah all
3: yeah. right okay, guys so <laughs> the vibe, the vibe. No, sorry. yeah We'll give you some information
2: just
0: me or is it like more humid should i ask oh, my question before
2: cushion. you even start or should i just let you start and then ask my question
3: what's your question
2: pre-95 or post-95 we'll find out okay <laughs> <laughs> i like that answer <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
3: tonight i am bringing you guys the jackalope oh yeah now this is a solid one yeah. yeah okay so if you guys had to guess when do you think like the first like what you could see as a jackalope Ooh, I like this question.
0: I'm going to say...
3: 1960.
0: No. Think about it. It You just guess. (laughs) You don't have to explain to me. Just guess. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to tell you my thinking. It has to be prior because it's a uniquely Western United States-like creature. So it definitely didn't come about prior to Western, Western expansion and Manifest Destiny. Okay. I'm going to say 18,
2: 18,
3: you're really giving us a lot of thought, Cliff. I know. He's like yeah, three. he's, because like, I'm just going to give you the century. I'm not going to well, give you, you the we want
1: to know the date. month.
3: Oh, there you don't have an actual date? In the year. I'm going to say, I have, I have other dates, but for the earliest one... That we can see. I just have a time frame. Okay. I'm going to say February
0: 29th, 1883. (laughs) That was a leap
3: year. Oh, man.
2: No. All right, Ian, what do you think?
1: (laughs) You know, I'm going to say 19... Okay,
3: well, you guys are all wrong. So,
1: right after okay, World oh.
3: War oh. dang I guess technically by default you, boom. But it was the thirteenth because thirteenth century. Oh, yeah, you weren't really close, Cliff. Oh, you yeah, were the closest. Close. But... Yeah, that was
1: close. Really, yeah.
3: the thirteenth yeah. <laughs> century. There are paintings of rabbits with horns back into the thirteenth century. Sweet. So wait,
0: wait, is that the fourteen hundreds?
3: Uh, no, other way. So it's the 1200s.
0: 1200s. Yeah. 1200s. I always get that confused. Inter-
2: I always remember. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Dang. So pre-1995. Yeah,
1: pre 1995. <laughs> yeah. So, pre 1995 so like, so, like, 1200s. Like, Genghis Khan was still ravaging people in the early part of the 1200s. Yeah, and he was <laughs> doing it with a jackalope yeah. on his shoulder. <laughs> Honestly, he, knowing him, he probably. sent hordes of jackalopes <laughs> to the front. He died in like 12, like early 12. Yeah. Oh my
0: god! He's just launching them across the border, Dang. the right. wall. The man, I learned something today. Of All
3: right. So, for those of you who don't know, a jackalope is a jackrabbit that has the horns of a deer. A deer
0: smaller it's like a much spike. smaller
3: it's like well it's like body size you know what i mean like yeah appropriate to their size appropriate to their Take size
0: the antlers of a spike and put it on a
3: rabbit. You got a jackalope. Yeah, but they're they, not spikes. Yeah, they're not just spikes. They have... Uh, they like, have, like... I've seen... I've personally
2: rack. seen, like, six-point jackalopes.
3: Yeah. So, they came about, though. You don't want to see my eight-point jackalope? <laughs>
4: um,
0: so, so uh, that one needs another year. Let it grow. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> let it go. Let it
2: grow. Do they velvet? I don't or know. They, if it's an Do, antler,
3: it'd have to velvet. Right? Yeah, because only... Well, but then again, it's a jackalope. But if don't antelopes, antelopes. don't. Don't, don't drop, drop their. Yeah, they just keep growing.
0: It's an antelope an antler or a I don't
3: know. But anyways, so in the 1930s, though, the jackalope popularity skyrocketed because. Dang, of, Ian, that's all you, buddy. Right, you were pretty much there. Because a man named Douglas Herrick and his brother, we're just out. There are a couple of hunters. They're out having a good time. And they find a dead rabbit, and the rabbit happens to die right next to an antler shed. And so at first, they're thinking like, oh, my gosh, we found this jackalope. They're real, all right? They go up to pick it up, and next thing you know, it's just a rabbit next to an antler. So they get this idea. Let's taxidermy this rabbit with this antler on it and sell it to people.
4: Mm. So
3: they were skilled in taxidermy and able to pull this off, and they sold it to a hotel in Douglas, Wyoming. Is that still uh, still there? It is. Ooh. Right. Cliff, can you find the picture? It was such a huge hit that the brothers ended up turning it into a business where they would build jackalopes and sell them to people and hotels all across the nation.
2: That is cool. Yeah. Um. Now, I know what you said like they're creating this, but are there
3: any actual jackalope sightings? So, there are many jackalope sightings. People think they see them all over the place. I've seen them. Right. But realistically, they actually tie it to this type of tumor that rabbits can get that starts in their forehead and calcifies as it exits their skin. Mm. And it creates more of a unicorn rabbit.
2: Never seen that. Mine have been straight jackalopes.
3: Right. Well, <laughs> straight jackalope sightings are rarer, but they do happen. Um, they are extremely fertile.
0: Where was that original Extremely
3: jackalope? fertile. Yeah.
2: There's a saying. I won't say it. Like rabbits? Yeah, like rabbits. Yeah.
0: Where is the original jackalope?
3: Douglas, Wyoming. A hotel there. Um, <laughs> so they're extremely skittish, but if you wish to make a friend to a, of a jackalope, You can lure it in with its drink of choice, which is whiskey. Really? Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm sure there's a jackalope whiskey out
3: there. Um,
1: So Let's start jackalope (laughs) whiskey. That (laughs) That would be so great.
3: Um, Also, they have a bunch of statues in this town of
0: jackalopes, but I don't see the actual original one.
3: Um, People believe that jackalope milk is a cure-all for any ailment or any disease you may have. However... Milking can be risky. Why is that? I don't know. That's all it said. It's just mil- <laughs> <laughs> it just said milking can be I've risky. I've seen a lot of jackalopes. I've never tried to milk one. <laughs> can be risky. <laughs> um, so, in case you guys are wondering what a jackalope's powers are. Oh, wait. They come with powers, too? They have a whole <laughs> list of powers. Oh, okay. It is great. Okay. Um, they have extreme enhanced agility. Mm. They have been known to do backflips, and they can maybe... Teleport a short distance. We don't know; they're so fast. Oh, okay, but they can, they can only explain it with
1: teleportation. Mm-hmm. So, so definitely lower. use a shotgun, is what you're saying. right.
3: Yeah, so you get it on both mm-hmm. sides of the teleport. What are the Texas regulations on jackalopes? Ooh, six points. Six points. I mean, six te- points. Technically, it's invasive. It's an alien
0: species. It would be. Pull don't your don't mic know. up a little bit, Cliff. Well, see, I was trying to stop it from breathing into it, but I think someone else is breathing into them hard too.
3: Um, me. I'm breathing hard, too.
0: So, well, you know, it would have to have, it would definitely have inside spread less than 13 inches. So if you take the deer route, it's not going to be illegal.
3: And you can't follow its ears. You can't follow its ears. Because it just go straight up. Correct.
0: I would say it would probably fall underneath the rabbit. The same laws as the rabbits, and so those much are, any rabbit.
3: Open yeah, season, open season yeah. all year round. That's how I say to too. So they have a few more Pack powers. Them and
0: stack them, boys. <laughs> right.
3: you they can shoot them, but they can teleport. <laughs> they can teleport. <laughs> uh, they also have enhanced bite power. They have enhanced dexterity. They can individually move each muscle.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: They have heightened hearing. They can hear pitches that no other mammal on Earth can hear. Mm. Uh, they can jump. And they land on all fours, always. Cats, like cats? Yeah, but even more so than cats. They always land on all fours. Okay. They have an enhanced sense of smell. They have enhanced speed. They have enhanced stealth abilities. See the teleporting? hmm And they can use their horns to gore people. And, oh, no, the craziest one is they have voice manipulation. So they can sound like other animals or people... Or they can sing as they wish.
0: Oh, what do they sing? Like,
3: you know that song that
2: you sent us earlier? That I kind of wasted my time listening to. <laughs> that was so great. I, I listened to it with Donna because you said, stop what you're doing right now and listen to this. And we were like, what are we <laughs> listening to? Did you listen to it, Zach? No. It was a little
3: fast. Oh, you
2: need to listen to it. <laughs> stop what sure you're doing right this. now. <laughs> I really
0: had hoped that Zach just was in the middle of a lesson plan. It was like, sorry, <laughs> like, sorry, guys. Like, two plus two <laughs> equals two. Hold on. But sidebar, back to the antelopes. According to... Fossil Rim. I don't know if that's a reputable website or not, but antelopes technically have horns.
3: Mm. Okay, so they wouldn't shed. They wouldn't shed. Yeah.
0: That's why they don't velvet.
3: Okay. There you go. So... I, I know have that won- was
0: pressing on everyone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, but I learned two things today. <laughs> you confirmed, but <what> we thought <laughs>
3: um, we have. There's one more fact, and that is the jackalope's weakness:
4: carrots. Carrots. Uh, <laughs> it only
3: has one known weakness. Uh huh. Spinach. It's uh. It's whiskey. Mm. So, uh, but I thought they awful. liked whiskey. They love it, but they love it a little too much.
2: Uh
0: so, so wonder, it's not okay. that it's their downfall. They just I'm looking partake up. way
3: too much. Yeah, it's their it's their so they're drunk rabbits. It's their weakness. You know, they can't say no.
0: You want a whiskey? Ah, yeah, <laughs> you got to twist my antler, <laughs>
2: <laughs> twist my antler.
3: So
4: yeah. So it looks is, like that is um, the
3: jackalope.
2: It looks like the jackalope is a whiskey mixed drink. What's in it? But I don't see, wait, a High West Limited Siding Whiskey. Inspired by the legendary hybrid creature, the Jackalope. So, it's a limited edition whiskey that has a Jackalope on it, but there's not a company called Jackalope Whis- Whiskey.
3: All right, let's get on it. All right. There's a Jackalope Brewery. Damn it. But it's in Tennessee. And it's a brewery, not it's, distillery. Yeah. Oh, so we can make Jackalope Whiskey.
2: Yeah. Okay. okay, well, I think we're on to something. Texas blended whiskey.
0: All right, so next right. weekend there will not be a podcast. You can find us at our new distillery located <laughs> in...
2: Oh, I had one follow-up. What scientific journal did you find all that information from?
3: That's um, National Geo. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's the cryptid mythical creature wiki. Oh, okay, okay. Ooh. Okay, solid source. Do you ever use creepypastas? I used to, but not for these. They're more like creepy people. Yeah, but that's going to be creatures, too. That's true. All right. Okay, you guys Who's ready? up
0: next, Zach? I feel like I bring a real joie de vivre to law enforcement. For example, uh, my uniform, I do not wear the regulation uniform. I wear these uh, shorts here. And actually I actually had to lobby the sheriff's department to get permission to wear these. But my argument was, hey, I'm out there in the streets every day. I've got to be able to move like a cheetah.
3: Like a law enforcement cheetah.
2: I just gotta say, I know that sound bites long, but I love it. It is funny. Okay, so last week we talked about like urban hunting issues in San Antonio. Cliff kindly shared a um person that he uh, knows that does urban hunting legally. So I'm gonna share a little story. I do not know him. No, you know of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's out there on the interwebs, and Cliff's found him. So um, it ain't nobody safe. <laughs> um, I think it's the urban huntsman, right? Is that what it's? urban bowman? Urban bowman, yeah, urban bowman. Um, this is kind of a long article. I'm not going to read the article. I'm just going to read like a short snippet. And this was like one of his blog posts. He's got like a ton of cool articles. Basically, this guy hunts in the suburbs of Washington D.C. legally, and this was a blog post I pulled about why he hunts um, the truth, why I hunt the burbs. They think it's almost a joke that someone would want to hunt another person's backyard, surrounded by other houses and neighbors, on properties as small as one quarter acre. What they don't know, and what I do, is that I wouldn't trade the world for it, and it may just be the best kept secret around. To start, the deer population in the suburbs of D.C. is so high DNR can't get an accurate count of exactly how overpopulated the dr, the deer are. We know the average carrying capacity should be in the 12 to 14 deer per square mile range, but the DNR currently estimates that there are pockets of North Virginia currently in the 4 to 5, 4 to 450 deer per square mile range. Ooh. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> that is an insane number. Yeah, really. Per square mile. 4 to 450 deer per square mile. As you can imagine, a population of deer that high in an urban environment comes with its fair share of problems. The deer have absolutely decimated any bit of remaining low-lying browse left over from the years of urban sprawl, and with that brought along Lyme disease and some of the highest car deer collision rates in the country. Um, Aside from the ecological benefits from hunting in the suburbs. The main, re- the main reason is because that's where I live. Not only is it easy to drive the five minutes from my house to hundreds of trees ready to hunt in a very target-rich environment below my perch once in those trees, but the suburbs of a large city aren't some run-of-the-mill uh, monoculture. They're a melting pot of different cultures all coming together to be one. Frankly, even though my hunting lifestyle is often outspoken and outside the norm, it fits in here as much as as any other person's lifestyle on choices. Um, I'm going to stop there. Um, I, first of all, I think it's awesome. You didn't find, uh,
0: where he shot the deer and it went into the Supreme court justice's backyard.
2: I You know, my research today because of life things going on, I didn't get to find that one specifically, but it sounds like, you know, the story. So, um, uh, the link you sent me was a podcast. I didn't have time to listen to the podcast, but... He just went
0: into it on in the podcast.
2: So, Cliff, give us a story about this guy's uh, adventure.
0: No, I'd, ra- I'd rather... I think it'd do it more justice if we actually found the article and did it in his words.
2: Well, I, what I'll do is I'll listen to the podcast, and next week I'll tell the story. Okay. Because, you know, it, it, he gets permission to hunt people's property. Right. Small lots. And... You know, if you shoot a deer and it goes into someone else's property, you know, you don't have the – if it if you shoot it and it dies in someone else's property, you don't necessarily have the rights to go and collect it. It's on someone else's property.
1: Yeah, in Texas. I don't know how it is. No, no it's, it's the same way. It's the same, it's, it's the same way. It's the same way in D.C. <laughs> is it the same everywhere? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, in, not
2: maybe not everywhere, but in Washington and in, in where he's hunting in the suburbs of D.C., That's how it is. And that's
0: why it ended up the way that it did on the Supreme Court justice instance is he had a homeowner's permission to hunt their backyard and the deer crossed over a fence and into a Supreme Court justice's backyard. He didn't know who it was, so he went up to the front door and knocked on it and then was promptly meted greeted by secret services and he Do, told them the story and they went back there collected the deer and gave it to him that's, that's pretty awesome.
1: crazy was it Scalia? because Scalia was a big hunter
0: now, i don't know which one it was i don't think he gave the the name
1: and Yeah, you know, I probably wanted to keep Scalia it would have been like good job buddy everyone <laughs> else would have been like <laughs> can i get that back strap <laughs> yeah no well he's he died on a hunting trip that's a whole other conversation but yeah
0: i think it just proves that like ethical urban hunting can be done and i do think i think i saw something this was after i moved to texas where you can even hunt inside the perimeter of atlanta Mm. for using archery as well I haven't confirmed that, so don't quote me and don't go out there and be like, oh, I'm going to go hunt.
2: Because Cliff said so. Well, yeah. it's people's own responsibility to know the rules right. and regulations. Yep.
0: But um, I know here in San Antonio we have what's called missile laws, so you can't even technically practice with your bow in your own backyard without it being somewhat taboo and technically illegal because mm-hmm. anything that's being launched, like an arrow from a bow, is considered a missile under this law.
3: What about a slingshot?
0: Well, a in the state of Texas, it's not recognized as a means of take. Gotcha. At all, so you can't even go to national refuge or anything like that and
2: shoot a jackalope with a slingshot.
0: Right. Much less squirrels, because that's what I was looking at it for. But excuse me, That's gonna turn your nose. Up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think like it proves that it can be done with the right set of laws and circumstances, I'm not saying that San Antonio needs to make it like willy-nilly free game, like oh, it's hunting season, let's all go to McAllister Park and hunt. I think what they should do is open up these areas for draw tags and hunt the parks with tags. And what will happen is you kill off part of the population within these parks and those gaps are going to be filled in by other deer moving into it because they're rich areas for habitation. Yeah. The deer around here aren't choosing to live in neighborhoods. Mm
3: -hmm. That's just where they go.
0: That's just where they go because everything else is so competitive for them. Mm -hmm. So they go to where the competition is a little bit less. And so they end up in these neighborhoods and eating people's, gardens and stuff and that's flowers really, that's really kennis
2: had some flowers eaten by oh really yeah and yeah.
0: that's really where the uh the issue ends up that and then just number of deer in the road that get hit by cars um i know the way that the urban bowman like justifies it like when he's talking to landowners is like hey you got a deer problem most of them are like yeah the dang thing ate my." begonias or <laughs> hydrangeas can you even
2: those. name a flower rose yeah, got it. <laughs> okay okay but they like,
0: they're like you ate it ate this such and such my prize flower and so it's like yeah go ahead and kill them mm-hmm. but I, I think urban hunting would be a great idea and i'd I'd love to partake in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's an opportunity. I wouldn't, cool. I wouldn't poop outside.
2: Maybe that should be – maybe we should, like, go to a city council meeting and pitch it. Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll table that.
0: We'll, we'll talk about it. Think about it. You Just up in the tree stand, it's hot because it's early season, early archery season still in Texas. It's still hitting about 95 degrees. You're just up there in your camos stuff. And then you just yell down, hey, McKenna, bring me a lemonade,
1: please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Can you um, just imagine, like, somebody taking their dog for a walk or, like, having a whole garage sale and then, like, <clears throat> like deer goes down? <laughs> because somebody just knocked it with an arrow. <laughs> kids start like, screaming. Yeah. It would have to be in a yeah, park, you know? Yeah, kids start screaming.
2: Yeah. People start running. And they'd have to close the park.
0: But I think like McAllister Park, Phil Harburg, and some of these other parks are big enough that they can close off five acres at a time mm-hmm. and just have, like, all right, we got two, hang- two hunters on this five acres. Mm-hmm. It's yours outside this five acres. You cannot hunt because the rest of the park is still open. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, to be honest with you, my parents live in a rural neighborhood, right? So everyone has a few acres. And they have deer all over the place. And I'm like, like. Like 450 I, per I square mile? That number no. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but like, I just think about how many. Here's the argument that I would make for urban hunting. How many deer cause car accidents? Like, Four. they not only damage your car, but you usually maim or kill the deer because deer love to jump in front of moving uh, cars. That's
2: got a good story. And.
1: You know what I mean? So it's like, if we could cut that down a little bit using safe hunting techniques, what's the big deal?
2: Yeah. All right. It's time to move on, Ian. Are you ready? Yeah, mostly, yeah. Okay.
1: That's pretty neat.
4: <laughs> That's
2: pretty neat. Neat things in nature with Ian.
1: <laughs> what's up, guys? Um,
2: <laughs> Ian and Coco. This is
1: that no i don't want no um by the so. way we are
0: starting a gofundme page honey hole angling gofundme page to get en a dog the dog is named coco
2: this episode
0: is brought to you by cox contour tv sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch but cox contour tv helps make that decision easier Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at Cox, slash Contour. How do you explain the
3: unexplainable? That warmth that fills you up from the inside out? Does it come from the air, the sea? the sun, the people? Or is it something that can't be put into words? Because Aruba is more than a beautiful island. It's a feeling that brings out a happier, sunnier you. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your next visit at aruba.com.
1: Yeah, we're not doing that, but... I'm pretty sure there's people that need the money more than me, like for cancer research or stuff, rather than buying Ian a foo dog. What the heck?
0: It's on a time scale. If Ian gets a dog before we get him cocoa, then we won't get him cocoa. That's
2: true. I mean, that's, that's how we should do you. it. It's up to you, Ian. <laughs> anyway, what is your neat What's thing? Your thing on page
1: on? Page, okay, so this is not a neat thing. But um, Cliff actually sent this to me. This is from Fox News. Dang, Cliff's um, like
2: researching everyone else's topics. Dude,
1: Cliff's doing to everyone's topic. Uh, <laughs> this. Do you guys hear about this? So, an archer was killed in Gord, like an archer hunter, uh, by a charging elk in I, Oregon. I heard about that, yeah. No, I
2: didn't. But that yeah. doesn't sound like a neat thing in nature. That's no, pretty neat.
1: It's not. <laughs> <laughs> So, an Oregon man was killed by a charging elk while archery hunting on Sunday afternoon, this Sunday. After this the past animal Sunday? Charged yeah, him. that was a really recent yeah, yeah, so this happened um, on the uh, 30th. Um, mm-hmm. After the animal charged and gored him in the neck with its antlers, according to authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark David, 66, from Hillsborough, which I guess is local to Oregon, was hunting on private property when he wounded a five by five bull elk but was unable to locate it um, before dark. Yeah, this really isn't this is really sad. Maybe I should have done
2: something else. No, no, you're good, Ian. Go ahead. It's still neat.
1: Yeah. David and the landowner attempted to search for the wounded bull the next day before finding it. He then attempted to kill it with his bow when the elk charged. Oh, okay, Mm. so he killed it or he shot it. No, he, yeah, he, he shot it and so,
4: waited
3: 13 hours and then when he went back out yeah, there it was still alive. It's
1: revenge pretty yeah.
2: much,
3: yeah. Yeah, I mean that's uh, like so
2: land. Look, and I'm not yeah. a bow hunter by any means, but what I know is that you want to make sure that the animal is like a moose or like an elk, you want to make sure that they are 100%
3: I think yeah, before this before article, you. though, I would have assumed after 13 hours, it would have been.
2: That's true. That's true.
0: Depends on shop placements. They find it like broadheads sure. stuck in deer all the time. That's true. Yeah. It just creates
3: a cyst or abscess. Actually, yeah, it gets locked in a certain place.
1: Yeah, I agree. I would say the lesson from this is be really careful, guys. Elk are huge. I've never hunted elk, but I used to live in Arizona. And we used to see them when we were at Boy Scout camp. They're freaking massive.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah. And they
1: can, and they can, they can kill. It. Like people sometimes, who have never seen one here. No. Like yeah,
4: well,
2: huge. well, the the interesting thing about this, and this is like the argument about that we had about, um, you know, if you like mortally wound a fish when you're catching it, but it's not of the correct size, you have to release it. If you, like, wound an elk like that and it's alive after 13 hours and you have to get close enough to shoot it again with your bow, like, maybe there's a better way to take care of that, but that mean of doing so is not legal.
0: Well, that all comes down to shot placement, which when you take any bow hunter education or hunters ed even... It all comes down to shot placement yeah, but and you, taking an
2: ethical shot. You can practice, and right, you can and do everything are, as much as you want, but at the end of the day, happen. anything could happen.
0: Right, and I, I agree, and I recognize that, but that's, again, on the hunter to make everything that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can
3: do everything in your pot. And that's the thing, is that even if you do everything perfectly, there's still a margin for error. So that's why it is so much more important that you make sure you can do everything you can control perfectly. That's Mm -hmm. why, like, the average elk archery shot is, like, 45 yards. Mm -hmm. If even, yeah. Yeah. It's probably even
0: less than that. Like, you're not shooting these long distances because of that. Yeah. Another reason is, like, it just takes so long for the arrow to get there, and then there is things called, like, they jump the string, and what it is is they hear that Twitch of the string hitting the string stopper, and they drop, and then they just what they do is they drop their front shoulders and then just pop up, and then we'll jump off from it, and it can cause either a gut shot sometimes mm-hmm. depending to go on where they, or it can be a shoulder shot, yeah. or it just clean just misses them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that what this hunter did, or. I'm not saying what he did. He took an unethical shot. I wasn't there. I can't say that. Mm-hmm. But that's why it is like in the purview of being a hunter, you're supposed to stack everything that you can mm-hmm. to get that ethical shot or pass on the animal.
2: Okay, so let me follow up with let's let's pretend and we don't know that we would. We're all in agreement that he took an ethical shot. He finds a wounded elk 13 hours later. How would you proceed? I would rehunt it.
0: Really, you, s- you start from scratch and you try and get as close as possible, and put another arrow, and try and put another arrow in to a yeah, vital. Because I wonder
2: how close he had. like he's like, oh, it's dead, and then runned up on it, and then right. spooked it, got the adrenaline
3: rush, and right. charged him. Yeah, sad. It's a sad story. No matter what, it is
0: right. Well, I mean, it's always sad when someone loses their life, but. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. Would you rather get stabbed in the neck by an elk or a jackalope? Probably a jackalope if I could live.
1: Yeah, if I'm going to go out by an animal with horns, definitely a jackalope. Landon yeah.
2: looks like he's fed up with me right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I was, I was contemplating life decisions, end-of-life decisions. Um, I would probably go jackalope. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> no, no, Cliff <laughs> just asked if we were going to go out. Would you rather Jackalope or Elk? I'd say Jackalope. I'd say elk. No you're wrong. It's <laughs> <Okay. back there. laughs> well, anyway, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to our last topic.
3: And I am actually logging off for this last section, so you will not hear my voice or my input as we talk about this. And I'm gonna
2: sections. be running the board. This could be very bad.
3: It won't be bad. it got like one Happy button birthday bud! Thanks, man.
2: There's buttons.
3: We just hit the big red one. The big red one. and Play the, I
2: know what button is the outro music. It's just going yeah, to be a it. hard
0: stop tonight, guys.
3: It'll be nice. You guys got it.
2: Yeah, we got it. Okay. okay. Bye, guys. All right. So, main topic tonight is how to find fishing spots.
3: Oh, crap. I didn't even realize
0: we didn't even get to that part yet.
2: What do you mean we didn't get to that part? I
0: didn't know that we didn't even get to the main topic yet. Yeah.
2: No, no, no. We're not on the main topic yet. So... <laughs> Uh, how, to, no, no. how to find fishing spots. So, step one, after our conversation from last week, you can go to a fly shop and ask whoever's working there where they can go fishing. No, you ask for their
0: favorite fishing spot. Yeah,
2: you ask for their favorite fishing spot, and they will give you their least favorite fishing spot. So it is a fishing spot, but it is not probably the best fishing spot.
0: Could you ask them for their least favorite fishing spot and then give you their favorite fishing spot?
2: Uh, I don't think they would do that. I still think they'd give you their least favorite fishing spot. If someone was like, hey, what's your least favorite fishing spot? I'd actually give it to them. Really? Yeah. They asked specifically for it. If they said, what's your favorite fishing spot? And I'd, I'd give them like, I like to fish this river. Like I'd be very broad about my answer unless I took them fishing. I got you. So, Ooh, toot, toot, toot. Cliff, okay. please don't press random buttons on the board. I'm not pressing random buttons. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> 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 we lost Zach, and it's going downhill. Okay, uh, Cliff, you have any tips on finding fishing spots?
0: <sighs> I would say my best advice, without having to ask somebody, is uh, what I always do is I start out. Uh, just going on uh, like Google Earth Mm -hmm. and zooming in like the area that I'm at and then expanding from there and looking for major bodies of water. Mm -hmm. Um, I also suggest as a preliminary is go to the state's uh, Parks and Wildlife Mm -hmm. website. And that will normally give you a good area too.
4: Yeah, and
2: those the Parks and Wildlife websites they'll give you areas that are stocked too. So if you want to like go places where you know they're stocking fish, they'll usually give like stocking schedules. So you know they'll usually post those spots on the te- on the uh, Parks and Wildlife website. I know Texas Parks and Wildlife also does like lease agreements with in certain areas for like landowners. And, um, uh, you can find like leased areas where you can like access the river. Um, so yeah. Gotcha. Ian, what do you think, man?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think there's a lot of state parks. So I think besides state parks, man, um, in fly shops, you know, get on Google and try and find like a local fishing club. You know, um, if you are fly fishing and you're after trout, trout unlimited is a good place to start. Um, I would say get connected with just local folks who will take you out. Um, you know, I would say definitely when you're starting, if if you just want to go fishing, if you're just like, Hey, I have a fly rod. I just bought one. I want to go fishing. Definitely Texas parks and wildlife. Uh, If you live in Texas Department of Natural Resources, if you live in another state, they've done a lot of the heavy lifting for you, right? A lot of the best areas to hunt and fish, the state already knows about and they're willing to tell you about. Um, There's that. I would try and get if you're looking for like smaller secret spots, streams, honey holes, I would hit up a club and try and meet people, um, uh, email them. You know, things like that. Um, sometimes, at least in our state, you can get access to private land that way. Um, which can be really good or really bad depending on the situation. So, I,
0: I kind of take it as it really depends on like what's your level of uh interest or what's your level of uh like being in the state Experience. or the area. Uh, yep. To me, I would say like it's easy to find like your local neighborhood pond or something. So if you're just trying to if you just move to an area and you're just trying to get out there, then hit that up first. If you're looking for those more nitty gritty spots, go to your local fly shop and ask the guys where they would go. And then as you gather this information, if it's a river source, then you're going to learn like other spots along the way, mm-hmm. getting there. And then if you're looking for like that spot that's just your own that you want to check out, then that's when I would pull out like uh the Google Earth or Onex or something like that to search for those yeah. deeper deeper in their spots. Yeah.
2: I would and I don't you know, I don't know what Ian said because I had to step away for a second, but Um, I, I heard like local clubs, so I would like reinforce that, but also if you just immerse yourself in the local community in general, if you have one, I mean, major metropolitan areas are more than likely going to have some kind of community you can join, whether that's a local child unlimited chapter, your local club, your local fly shop is going to have classes. There's going to be river cleanups. There's going to be the fly fishing film tour. There's going to be the Yeti film tour. I mean, these are all, there's going to be like a fly fishing expo. These are all things that I know like happen in central Texas. You can go to those things. Uh, You can meet a lot of other great people there. You can make plans to fish with somebody and, you know, that's going to turn out to like, hey, where do you like to fish? Where do you like to fish? You're going to learn a lot of info. Um, And people are, if you go to like an expo, you know, people are going to be there giving presentations on areas that they like to fish or rivers that they like to fish. And so, I've gone to local clubs, given presentations on like fishing in the Llano River, and you know you're going to learn a lot of information, places you can fish, how to fish the river better, and so I just say like if you just in general immerse yourself in the fly fishing community in your area. Um,
0: I think it goes without yeah, saying man. you got to put yourself out there too. Correct. Like, no one's going to come up to you at H E B and say, "Hey, you want my fishing spot?" Mm-hmm. Like you got to. You got to put the legwork Mm -hmm. into it yourself to Uh, find those people who either, A, take you places or...
2: Or go to a bar and find, you know, talk to the guy behind the counter and, you know, they probably know something. Or, like, I know for here, there's um, two books. There's Fly Fishing in Texas Hill Country by Kevin Hutchinson. Literally lays out, like, at least 100 spots where you can get on the river here in Texas. And then there is um, Fly Fishing Austin in Central Texas think Aaron Reed's new book um, that has a lot of spots as well. So there's like literature, there's online blogs. Um, there's, there's a lot of information out there. You have to do just a very little amount of work to get in on there. And, you know, part of the fun too, for me is finding new spots. Like, um, I mean, I know both you guys know, I made a YouTube video about my car pole that dried up mm-hmm. um, where I'd go cart fishing. I know for a fact I'm the was the only fish guy fishing that spot because I went on Google maps, I found some creeks, they looked pretty carpy, and I went out there one day and found tons of carp. Unfortunately that hole's dried up now, so I gotta go back to the drawing board. But, you know, I know that those fish were there and because I put in the work I went to check it out. And if you find a spot that's just yours, you know, you're going to cherish it because I never told anybody about that spot I maybe took like one or two people there but I wasn't like you know given my carp spot that that was my carp spot I worked hard for it and you're gonna find the 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 same spots for yourself and then you're also going to like find a love for an area because you found a spot and you're not gonna want to give it away and you're gonna understand why people don't give their their honey holes away yeah it's a whole process yep.
1: um Yeah. And like, this is a little bit about my story. When I started, I knew, I didn't know one single person who flyfished at all, like personally. And I walked in, and this kind of goes back to our previous conversation. I walked in um, to a local fly shop here, and they were really cool. And they were like, what are you looking for? And I was like, I just want to buy a hoe. I want to buy a rod. I want to buy an outfit. What do I need to do? And I budgeted some money. And they knew I was going to spend money, and I probably talked. It was a slow day. I probably talked to them for forty-five minutes. I bought a rod, bought flies, bought gear. I was like, "Hook me up!" And they gave me three great spots to fish, and um, that was the beginning of the journey. Yeah. So you know, if if you're serious about it and you can afford it, and if if you can't afford it, it's okay. I had to save up for a while. You know, like I, it wasn't like I just instantly had the money. I was. I didn't have much money at the time, and I still don't, but <laughs> I did. I was, I had to save up, but I did, and, you know, it's like if you're really interested and passionate about it, people will help you. They yeah. really will help you.
2: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. 100% agree, Ian. I mean, in, I don't really know what else to say. I kind of gave, like, a quick rundown on, and Ian gave a good description of, like, look for major bodies of water and look for creeks and stuff that Ian he didn't, didn't uh, that. No, Cliff did. I thought I said Cliff. You said Ian. Oh, Gives so. him all the credit. Damn. Sorry, Cliff. Just uh, like when I posted
0: that article and you put his picture up. Oh, wow. You're still... <laughs> Somebody's got to take better pictures. That's all I'm saying. It's because I'm the one always doing something.
2: Anyway. Um, all right. <laughs> so... You know, like Cliff said, find a major body of water, follow that body of water, know your state laws and regulations on, you know, how you can access different types of water. In Texas, you can, the waterways are public, the riverbed is public on navigable streams, and you can, you know, be in the water and go as far up or downstream as you want, but you can't access the water through someone's private property. So you have to find these public places to get on the water. But then when you're on the water, you can go miles upstream, miles downstream, and you're not technically trespassing. There's people that might argue with you about that, but you're not trespassing. Um, and so you need to know, and all states are different. I know Colorado is different. There's some areas where you can't even drop an anchor because if something is touching the ground, you know, you're technically trespassing. I know that's the same way. And I've had to deal with that in Wyoming before. Um, but just know what the state laws that you're fishing are and then go from, go
1: from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And don't be, I would say this, hunting and fishing can be really intimidating when you first start, Mm -hmm. especially if you didn't grow up doing it. And I did not really grow up doing it and people will help you. Just be cool. Just be willing to learn. Just be friendly, Mm -hmm. be humble. um, And, I people say humble, you. humble, yeah, yeah.
0: I think humble, being humble, is the number one key to success yeah. when starting out in it. No, and and just all the way through yeah. it because when I'm when I was at the store, people come in and they act like they know more or all this other stuff. And granted, a lot of them probably they did, may they may do, yeah. But it doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So don't act like. Don't sit there and belittle other people or try to inflate yourself or your ego and act like you're mm-hmm. hot shot because you've been doing it and you've learned how to double haul. Just know, like, it's an it's a hobby for all of us. None of us yes. are making true money fly fishing or hunting. <laughs> Besides... <laughs> um, and I, so, so and just I would know, say... It, there, there are a few people out there who do, but none of us are those people. None of mm-hmm. us are those big-name people that you think about when you think of fly fishing. We're not Tom Rosenbauer. We're not
2: Lefty Cray. Lefty
0: Cray. We're not these people who have all this information just at the helms because we've been doing it for 50 years or whatever it may be. But all, we all do bring something unique to it. Mm-hmm. Like Landon said in, I guess it was two podcasts ago or so, we all come with our own set of expertise. Just because you choose to fish one way versus the other guy who chooses to fish another way does not make him right, you wrong, you write him wrong in any sense of the word so staying humble right. and just asking the questions is going to make you a way more well-rounded individual mm-hmm. in terms of hunting and fishing yeah and it's going to get you and a lot say. more invites <clears throat> out on. and the water. you're
2: gonna learn more i will say this if you want to fish the same stretch of water or the same river all the time that's fine maybe it's close to your house you know If you want to fish poppers, that's great. You can go have fun. That's not wrong. Like Cliff just said, there's no right or wrong. But if you want to learn and you want to find new places, then you have to try maybe be open to trying new techniques and or going to new waters. And you're going to learn, like, really quickly, you know, just spending time out there. You're going to learn a lot more about fly fishing. You're going to have more mental notes you can draw to. And maybe if you fish the Guadalupe River for bass, Maybe if you go to the Pernalas River and bass fish, you're going to be better on the Guadalupe because you have now have more information. Well, you know, you're going to have something to draw from. Well, maybe this fly you tried on the Perdinalis worked really well. So now it's a new opportunity on the Guad um, or the water's different. So you can learn a new technique or what it just it just opens up. It just opens up your world.
1: So. I would say, too, if you're if you're hanging out with people and you ask them to take you fishing and they're rude to you and you do it humbly, find other people to go. Mm-hmm. Because that ego does exist in this sport and in this industry, and we're not going to pretend it doesn't. But if you just be humble and just say, hey, would you mind showing me some things or you'd teach me? And if they're like, no, you don't know what you're doing, you're a noob, ditch those yeah, people. Yeah. Because I've seen that happen. Your and go find d- people... Yeah, your best teacher is going to
0: be the person who wants to actually take an interest in teaching
2: you, Mm -hmm.
0: and they also become your friends, and
2: those are the ones that are way more fun to fish with. And then you start a podcast with them. Yes. Yeah. That's 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 the the order order of things. Yeah. Um, uh, I will also say, like, I've gotten a lot of really good information from wise older fishermen because you know I met them at clubs, you know, and. You know, maybe someone's older and they can't get out and fish as much, but they want to share what they've learned over the years. And if you approach them humbly and say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me with this? Or I don't know about this. I've had a lot of people, um, you know, share their fishing wisdom with me because, you know, you take that humble approach and they have so much good information.
1: Um, This is going to be out on a limb. There are a ton of older guys and by older I mean 50 plus who like to fly fish and they would love to go fishing with you mm-hmm. maybe they don't have kids you know maybe they don't see their kids that much or their I've kids met just so aren't many, into it or their kids aren't into it I've met so many cool like dad like figures who fish too mm-hmm. you know like yeah. and you know and learn from older people yeah. and, and shout out to Real Recovery because they have so many Sorry, I'm not calling real recovery old, but fly fishing historically, you know, was not a young man's game. We'll Mm -hmm. put it that way.
2: Yeah, and I'll say, um, uh, what's the saying? Um, knowledge, Knowledge is learning from your own mistakes. Wisdom is learning from other people's mistakes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So if you can find someone that's made a lot of fly fishing mistakes and they you know they take you under their wing, you're gonna accelerate that much faster because you're able to learn from what they have done, uh, good and bad.
1: I'll give you a I'll give you a great example and then I'll be quiet. When I, I got invited to go on a saltwater trip to the South Pacific by my co-worker's um, husband who By South Pacific
2: was, Ian means Christmas Island.
1: I mean yeah. I just don't it sounds Arrogance to talk about it all the time but i got invited and i am pretty much the same age as his daughter um you know and i got invited by him and like before we went he they live in a pretty nice area and he was like hey i you know let's do some practice you know i had never really fished salt before i had fished it some but like he invited me they have a place down the coast and he would invite me to do that and he honestly looking back he was just looking for a buddy to fish with you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so you know i was probably 27 at the time i'm 31 if anyone's wondering and i think he was you know 54 and so i learned a ton from him and um you know so maybe you have an uncle or maybe you're fortunate you have a father who likes to do it adopt an uncle Adopt an uncle. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's there's just you know, that, that was impactful in my life, so. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. is, like just find a mentor. That's mm-hmm. what we're trying to say. Is find a mentor, they will help you. And I it, still don't know that much. Land inside of my crowd go goes.
2: If you go to a mentor and you humbly say, Hey, I need help, I don't know what I'm doing, they're gonna help you. If you go to a they guy on the river yeah. and say, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing they're going to, Hey, what flies are working? Like if people come and ask me questions, I'm always open to, to, uh, helping them out. So I think we're going to end on that. We're right at time. Um, guys, I mean, thank you all for listening. You guys have any closing remarks, Cliff or Ian? I think you're just trying to guess off because I'm starting to play with the board. You are playing with the board. It's making me nervous. You're pushing buttons. I don't know how it's what I'm going to have to do in like post when I'm editing to like correct potential issues. So all I did was I turned off the mics to the channels that we're not
0: using. That's the only buttons I've mashed. And then what I was doing was I was playing with my gain because I noticed as you were speaking and I'm noticing as I'm speaking, your mic is picking up what I'm saying and my mic was picking up what you were saying. So I was trying to tinker with that. I didn't mess with anything. I was just trying to make Mm -hmm. editing a little bit easy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't have yeah. any closing remarks. Besides, just get out there and fish some. Yeah. And just have a have a good time too. Don't overthink it. Just have fun. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a chill, fun activity, you know. And just kick back with some buddies and yeah. Just go out and hunt and fish. That's all I got to say.
2: Yeah. Wise words to end on. All right, guys. We'll see y'all on the next episode. appreciate (laughs) y'all not your we'll come back y'all y'all come back y'all come back (laughs) alright I'm gonna fade it out